0: Sermon titled today, The Free Gift for You. Free gift for you. I'd like you to try and imagine something with me with this gift image that we have here on the screen. I'd like you to imagine that it's Christmas morning for little Josiah. Josiah is so excited for this day. He can't wait to see if all the things that he's asked for, if all those things that were on his list, are underneath his Christmas tree. And so that morning, he opens gift after gift after gift, and he is so excited, he's ecstatic that every single thing he's asked for is there underneath that tree. And finally, as all the gifts are gone, there emerges one more gift. says it's for everyone in the family. And as little Josiah unwraps it, he opens it, he sees this church in that gift, and he looks up at his mom, his dad, He says, I didn't ask for a church. And mom and dad laugh and smile at him and say, well, yeah, we know, we know. But Josiah, membership in God's church is the greatest gift that we could ever have, that we will ever receive. That's better than anything else that we could ever get on Christmas morning. Little Josiah smiles. The scene fades to black as they continue their Christmas morning. Pretty cheesy, right? Yeah? Not very realistic, if you ask me. You say, well, pastor, that sounds nice, ideal, like some sort of bad Hallmark movie for Christmas time, right? But that sort of gratefulness, that sort of mindset of seeing church membership as a gift that is that precious, that valuable, is exactly what Rainer is arguing and pushing us to see in this last chapter, but arguably, too, what Jesus is offering to you and to me this day. That the free gift of God is the most precious, the most beautiful thing we've ever received. Now, it doesn't matter if you've been along for us on this congregational journey, if you have been someone who's been to every single one of the gatherings, if you've watched the videos online, if you've only heard the sermons, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's okay. This gift is for you too. But I think because I've heard these conversations, that that's not the word we would use to describe our experience of this congregational journey. No one has said something to me like this. Pastor, you know that time when you told me I need to not gossip and to forgive people quicker? That was such a nice gift to me. No, nobody said that to me. Or no one has said to me, hey, pastor, you know that time when you told me it's not about you and what you want, it's about what other people want? That was such a gift to me. No, nobody said that to me. Or even, too, pastor, this is so great. You know, you tell me that I need to do more, that I need to pray for more people. Thank you. That was such a gift to add to my to-do list. No, nobody said that. In fact, I would say I've heard the exact opposite of a gift. You've told me. I've heard that it's been challenging, that it's been convicting, that even it's caused you angst as you read through this book, as you did the study, as you took part in this journey because it raises the bar of what being a healthy, what being a biblical church member means. And so as we look at it, we are challenged, we are convicted, we all realize we fall so short of this. And so if this gift is to represent the study that we've been doing, if we were little Josiah on that church that morning and we opened up this church, I think a lot of us respond something like, "Really? Just more things to do, more ways that I fail, more things that I have to do better at." Ah!" Oh! We all sort of sigh. we want to push it aside. We want to wrap it back up, give it back to whoever gave it, or at least send it back to Amazon, right? But when we do that, when we push it aside, when we let the challenge of it lead us to inaction, we become this woman at the well that Pastor Ben just read for us moments ago. So return with me to that story. This woman has been divorced not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, but five times. And the person she's living with right now, she's not even married to either. We don't know why. We don't know the reason for that. We don't know what has caused her to have to go through those experiences. But it's not difficult for us to imagine how she might have felt. The brokenness she felt. The pain she still felt. The desire to just make it through another day without feeling rejected, without feeling cast aside. To some extent, she just wanted to be left alone. And so if she comes to the well to draw water and sees a Jewish man there waiting for her, you can imagine that she begins to feel slightly annoyed. But then, when he asks her for a drink, that annoyance turns into straight-out anger, maybe, even. She says, look, what are you doing? You ask me for a drink? Don't you know that you're not supposed to do that? I don't want to have to help anyone else right now. Just leave me alone. But then, into her indifference, into her apathy even, Jesus' words cut straight through it. As he says to her, look, if you would have known who it was, the gift of God, and who was giving it to you, who was speaking to you, you would have asked him for water, and he would have given to you living water gift of God. The gift of God. It's as though Jesus is saying to her in that moment, snap out of it. Don't you see what is in front of you? This is not just some person. This is not someone to be angry at, to dismiss. This is God himself giving and ready to give to you a gift that you could get nowhere else. Nowhere else. And when we look at this chapter, when we look at this whole book, when we look at church membership... In this sort of have to mindset, or this big challenge that's so difficult that we just push it aside, we become her. And we miss out on the gift of God for you and me. See, Paul writes about it in Romans 5 this way that it is the free gift of righteousness for all people. And it is a gift, it is a gift. Imagine some other gifts that you might get. Imagine if you were to receive Penguins tickets. Patty, I know. Imagine if you were to get Penns tickets. And then what would you do? You would spend all day long, all week long. Can you imagine? Brian, I got these free Penn tickets. I'm going down to the game. I get to go there. Isn't that great? You would tell every single person about what you get to do. Imagine. Let's see. Let's imagine, Gary, that you get to go on your dream vacation. Wherever you want. Totally paid for, if somebody plans it just how you would so desire it, you would tell everybody. You would tell everybody, look, here's what I get to do next week. Here's what I get to do next month. Look at this great thing that's going to happen to me that I get to be a part of. But imagine, imagine with me if there was a place, a community, where you could be a part of God's plan to be his mouthpiece, to speak to other people in his stead, to be his hands and his feet. Imagine that there would be a place where you could get to experience the forgiveness of God spoken over you. Imagine that there would be a place where you could be part of God's plan to bring someone else closer to him. Imagine that there might be a place where you could live together being united by the love of Jesus that is so much deeper than anything else in this life. Who are we that God has given us something like that? Who are we that we get to do that? Who are we that we get to participate and to receive from God in that very thing? See, that is what the Reformation, that is what this chapter of this book, the whole entire book is all about. It's about the gift of God given to us that we can never earn, that we could never deserve, that we could never achieve on our own. But instead, he has freely given it to us. Paul talks about that free gift as the gift of righteousness, of being made perfect, of being made clean, of being made whole because of Jesus' death and his resurrection to cover the many, many sins in our life and in the world. And that changes, changes everything. Because now... As we look at this gift, now as we look at this book, as we look at what it means to be a biblical church member, we're not just overwhelmed by the challenge, but we say, you know what? It might be difficult, but you know, God's going to give me the ability to do it, because I can't do it on my own. God's going to give me what I need to do all of these things, to live in the way that he calls me to. And so we see that it is, actually. It is actually the greatest gift. As cheesy as that story is, it's true. It's true. That what we receive in church membership is a gift from God. And so wonder with me. What would change? How would our life look together? If every single interaction that you had here with other people, you thought of as a gift from God. How would things change if every time you got to be here, you would say, this was a gift to be here today? How would things change if every single service opportunity, every single stewardship moment and offering for you was not viewed as some sort of obligation, but it was viewed as a gift for you, but also for you to be a gift to someone else from God himself? How different. How radical. Would we look to the world around us and even to those people in the church too? See, that sort of radicalness is exactly what Jesus is offering us. It's exactly what Rainer has been pushing us and urging us and challenging us for the last six weeks to have. And it's that sort of radicalness that we need to pray for that God would make happen in our midst. So let's do that. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the resurrected one. You are the one who is reigning now in heaven. We pray that in this place, as we are your people, as we are members of your perfect bride, the church, that you would lead us, that you would enable us to be biblical church members, Lord. That we would be unifying in all we do. That we would be functioning, that we would pray for those leaders, that we would think of others first, that we would lead our own households and our families, not because of TC, but because you call us to, because we know that you will give us what we need to do so. So make this place that way. Send your Holy Spirit to increase our faith, to increase our boldness, to be able to do that, Lord, as we trust in you and we trust in the power of your holy and perfect word that does what it says. Jesus, we pray all of this in your perfect, your holy name. Amen. And so as we close this series, as we close this congregational journey, we want to do something that might feel a little weird. We want to commit together, though, to live out the things that we've talked about. And so we've written a short little committal for us to say together back and forth. So I invite you to stand as you're able as we do that. As we conclude our sermon series on biblical church membership, we commit together to live out what the scriptures teach. Not because it's easy, but because our God calls and enables us to live as he desires. Father, we commit to not see our membership as something we have earned, but something you have given us. When we encounter gossip or our brother and sister in Christ with a hard heart, we commit to being a unifying member by seasoning our speech with salt and being quick to forgive. When we are faced with a choice between our preferences and another's desires, we commit to being servant hearted by putting others' preferences and desires before our own. When we pray, we will not just pray for our families and friends, we commit to pray for all our church leaders, their families, their health and well being, and that they would stand by faith against Satan. In our households and our family of faith, we commit to lead them to be healthy church members so they may be brought to Christ. Father, in everything, we commit to see church membership as a gift from your bountiful hand to be treasured and stewarded. Maybe see them. And why do we do this? We don't just do it so that we look different, so that we look crazy. We do it for a particular reason. And so as we watch, as we hear from Miss Mary Jean Monte, she's gonna paint a picture for us why we do this. What is the real reason for that? So as we enjoy another one of these verses that shape us video, please watch for that.
1: Well, when I was given this assignment, um, I looked back and thought about when I did the camera for other people, and I often thought, oh, it's strange, they only have, um, they want more than one verse. Well, I'm on the other side of the camera this time, and I figured out I need more than one verse, too. And I have problems reading now because have some macular degeneration, so I will be reading those verses um, carefully, hopefully, and explaining um, how they've um, shaped my life. I found my confirmation um, verse, and it was interesting. I found my confirmation booklet also. It was given to me by my confirmation pastor, Emil Spoudy. And this is what it is from Psalm 111, verse 10. And this is King James. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments, his praise endures forever. I had always wanted to be a teacher, And uh, when I was in confirmation, Pastor Spouty and my mother said, okay, if you want to be a teacher, you're not just going to be a regular teacher, you're going to be a Lutheran teacher. And I was so uh, blessed um, to have that advice. I went to Concordia, St. Paul, Minnesota, and I did become a Lutheran teacher. And of course, as I said before, then I was only placed, not called, but I was called eventually. The next verse, Um, Is something that I grew up with in liturgy in in the Missouri Synod. We have beautiful, the 1941 hymnal. And um, this is from Psalm 51, verses 10 to 12. And this is actually the King James, and this is how we used to sing this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. These are verses from, as I said before, from the liturgy that I grew up with. Uh, We sang this right after the pastor's sermon, and it would be uh, a prayer asking God to help us through that following week to do exactly um, what um, the pastor had talked about. And then, when I was sixteen, it was a lot of fun to be able to, as an organist, I, w- I started playing the organ at sixteen, to be able to play this and to lead the congregation in uh, in singing this part of the liturgy. I miss that, and someday I hope we can do um, go back to that verse, um, that verse again sometime and do it in uh, in the church service. Then. I was thinking further. Well, there's another verse, and that's Joshua 24:15, and the very last part of that verse. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. When Donald and I were married, um, and we were married in um, my home church in Minnesota, and our pastor was Theodore Krensky, uh, and he, he really wanted to make sure he made an impression because we had about a 15-minute sermon. But he he used this as the basis for the sermonette, and this was something that has um, just guided and directed our family throughout the the years. Then, um, I have have one more I just couldn't cut off, um, and that one is Psalm 23 and um, this is the king james i'll just read just the beginning of this is how i memorized and i'm sure many of um, many all parishioners also have memorized the, the king james the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters he restoreth my soul he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil Thou art with me, thy rod, and thy staff, they comfort me. All of these are, are from King James. And um, I have to tell you a little story about that. When uh, my mom and dad were married, um, my dad had neither been baptized nor confirmed. And for many years, um, mom was the witness. And um, there in the, the congregation that um, my mom grew up in, um, there was a, a brand new pastor just out of the seminary and he took my dad one-on-one and my dad i remember at age six i remember watching so the little white church in windom minnesota i remember my dad being baptized and confirmed on that particular day and from then on dad became a spiritual leader uh, in our household and he made sure that us kids got to go to sunday school he took us to church on sunday We had in those days youth group was called Walter League, and we had a super time. Um, Dad would take us and wait for us, because we lived 11 miles from church, and we lived on a farm in the country. And Wyndham was a a big town in those days for us, probably 2,000 people. And um, sometimes um, I would practice, um, and when I was 16, I started practicing the organ, and Dad would drive me in, wait two hours while I practiced and drive back home and then go back Sunday morning and take me back again. And um, on the day uh, my dad um, became quite ill, he had um, a kidney um, failure and I went back and forth a couple of times um, to Minnesota. Um, I was teaching at the time and I had some wonderful people that came in to substitute for me and took over my classroom so I could, um, could be there. We even took my dad to Rochester, to uh, Minnesota, to the uh, Mayo Clinic and there was nothing that could be done. So eventually um, dad got, became very ill and we were there and um, the doctor, uh, we, we were around the bed because we in the hospital and we knew dad was near death. And um, it was the doctor, my mother, my sister and brother-in-law, and Donald and I. And as Dad was leaving this earth, we uh, no one rehearsed this, nobody um, had even mentioned it. We just began saying, you know, I'm going to cry, <laughs> um, the, Lord, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. And um, it was awesome um, to be able to see um, my dad um, just leaving this earth. Sorry. <laughs> but... Um, and that was um, because he was, um, had not been a Christian, but died as a Christian. And the pastor was uh, later, or even before that, and Dad was in a coma. And our pastor came in to uh, pray, and Dad groaned. So we know that the last thing that leaves is your hearing. So this was very important to know that even though um, we were, he knew that we were there. As you hear these um, verses and the stories that I've um, given to you in, in this very short little uh, video, I, I want you to know how important it is that you read um, each day, that you pray each day. Prayer is so important and take time. Don't put it off and think, oh, I don't have the right words or I can't, can't do that. You can. All you need to do is just talk like you're talking to your child, to your father, to your mother. In fact, you are talking to your Father, your Father in Heaven. So let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come to you, Holy Trinity, and and we just thank you for the word that you put into our lives. We ask you to help us to study, to learn, and to digest all of the things that you want us to hear in Scripture. Help us to continue to be the servants you want us to be. But also, Lord, um, we just ask you to help us to um, be able to have that closer relationship with you daily. Help us to know you, love you, and honor you in our lives, all our lives. In your holy name we pray. Amen.
0: That is why we do this. It's not about doing what I say, not about doing what Pastor Ben says, not just a here's what this guy says. It's so that more people would come to know, more people would come to believe in Jesus Christ. That's why we do this.